you got a Bible, bust out your Bible, okay? Um, I want you to go to the book of Genesis, okay? If you don't know where Genesis is, that's okay. Uh, we will have elders down here to pray for you after service. And uh, oh, oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. Genesis, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we're going to kind of camp there. I'm not going to start there, so just kind of hold your place. Uh, hold your place today. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about confidence. Anybody ever struggle with confidence? Raise your hand real high, real high. I mean, that's my hands up high, okay? I definitely struggle and have moments uh, with confidence. Let me read a few verses to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, it says, So we can have confidence that the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 says this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For your, your Lord God is with you wherever you go. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that it brings truth and life to our soul. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you bring true wisdom, true understanding, true guidance today. Lord, help us to understand what true confidence looks like in your kingdom. Not in this earth, not confidence in our bank accounts, not confidence in our jobs, our careers, or our, our power or prestige, God, but confidence in you and knowing you, Father. Give us true wisdom. Father, I just pray for anybody's heart that is not Chicago Bears fan today. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would turn them from their wickedness and bring them to the light. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody, he said, amen. Give it up for the worship team today, everybody. Come on. No, you got to give it up for the worship team. Listen. If you really love me as a pastor, you would turn from your sin, okay? I promise you. You would put your true direction north and uh, jump on the bears with me. Look, it's going to be a great season. That's all I'm saying. They just started training camp. Mitch Trubisky's looking great. If you're a Browns fan, you know, again, we got prayer for you after service, okay? If you think Baker Mayfield's your man, whew. Man, we got a lot of prayer for you. So you really need confidence if you think Baker's your guy, okay? You're like, what is going on right now? All right, confidence. We all struggle with it, right? And I think we all struggle with confidence in our relationship with Jesus, right? I think that there's some days that we really, truly believe that God is happy. It's like, remember a teeter-totter when you were a kid? You know, that was like one of my favorite things, okay? And you like try to buck somebody off the teeter-totter, you know? But, you know, one day you have this like joy and this peace and this feeling that like God is really, really happy with me today. He's really, really pleased with me. But then the next day can come and you can be like, I don't really know where I stand with Jesus today. I don't know if he's really feeling me today. 
I don't really know if he's happy with me today. I don't really know if he wants to really bless me today. I don't really know where I'm at. And so, to be honest with you, I kind of classify myself as fragile in the sense of my confidence in my relationship with Jesus sometimes. It reminds me of kind of having kids. Because when you have kids, you realize that everything in your house is fragile, okay? Now, when we were young, married, when we were poor, and we had everything given to us, we were kind of like, uh, who cares if it breaks? You know what I mean? Like, you go at it. You know, jump on the couch. We don't really care. You know, you, you either have that mindset of like, yeah, break it because I want something new, or you have the mindset of, no, we're going to train our kids to, like, respect our house, and we're going to train them to, you know, respect the, you know, the walls and the house and everything, and that's just a dream, right, okay? That is not reality in life whatsoever. I remember a couple weeks ago, Ben is uh, Ben's playing basketball in our living room because this is where we play basketball at our house, like in the living room. And I try my best to show my love to my wife, you know, uh, by buying flowers, okay? I'm a flowers guy, so, you know, I'll go and I'll buy her some flowers. So I bought her some roses and she set them up and she put them in this vase or this vase. Who says vase? Vase? Who says vase? Any vase? No? All right, vase. All right. Feeling, feeling you. Feeling you, Okay. And sure enough, what does Ben do? Totally knocks him over, totally breaks the vase, totally destroys that. That's just kind of life with kids. I remember one time Michael was like, I don't know, he was probably five or six, and just needed the detergent bottle. And so he, like, grabbed it but didn't realize the cap wasn't on it. And, like, he's, like, walking through the house with the detergent bottle like this. You know, like, it's getting all over everything. You think, like, it's detergent. Like, it wouldn't really matter. No, it really matters. It's, like, really dark blue. And, I mean, there's, like, dark blue lines up and down the stairs. And he basically dumped out the whole entire bottle all over our house. So the reality is this, is that it's really just a matter of time, right, that we find out that really with kids, everything in our house is eventually going to break, right? At some point and sometimes something is going to break. But I think that this is what our faith looks a lot like. It's fragile Remember the, the Christmas story, fragile you know? Our faith is fragile. It's kind of like my ping pong game, okay? So the other night, I'm playing ping pong uh, with Zach. I don't, I don't think Zach's here today, but, and I'm like, I'm going to be Zach, okay? I mean, like, I'll just be honest. There's certain people in this life that I want to be. I want to have dominance over them. That is Zach in our church, okay? I want dominance over Zach, okay? That's like a goal in my life, okay? It's just a man thing, all right? And so I'm like, I'm going to play you in ping pong, and I'm going to beat the junk out of you. You know, like I'm talking trash all night. So we play, and I'm up nine points, nine points on Zach. Dave watched this whole scenario, okay? He can testify to this. So I'm up nine points. And you know that feeling that you get, like, when you get up on somebody, and you're like, okay, I have the game at hand. Do not screw this up. Like, you can't mess this up. What do I do for the next five points, Dave? Watch it. I jacked up every single serve, five points in a row. Let Zach get back in the game. And what happens? Zach beats me by one stinking point. Comes back to beat me. Now, I'm so fragile that me and Doug have to convince 
Stefan and Zach to play sting pong. And if you don't know what sting pong is, it's basically, you know, if you miss a point, you have to lift up, lift up your shirt and you whack a ball at somebody's chest, you know. And so, yeah, this is, this is me, okay? Why do I have to play sting pong? Because I got to get my revenge, okay? And so we played sting pong until I finally hit Zach with a ping pong ball. Like, that is just, that's, that's what I had to do. And yes, I'm 37, and I'm going to be 38 next week. And if you judge me, that's up to you. The Bible has a lot to say about judgment, okay? So that's, that's your choice in your heart of what you want to do today, okay? But the reality is this. The truth is, in confidence in Jesus This is kind of who we are. We have confidence one day because we're doing good with God. We're like, man, I'm going to church. I'm serving. You know, I'm loving people. I'm loving my wife. I have grace with other people. But the reality is in your heart of hearts, you're like, can this really stick? Can I really be this like day in and day out? Can I do this month after month? Can I do this year after year? Do I really have confidence in my connection and in my relationship and where I'm at in my relationship with God? And the reality is this. We have a couple bad days and, you know, we get angry at somebody. You know, like me and Todd were talking this morning about, you know, this guy that was it a lady that flipped you off on the road the other day. You know, he's driving. She cut him off. She flipped him off. And I'm like, Todd is a large man and he drives a big truck. You know, I would not be flipping off Todd. You know what I mean? Like. Let's just be honest here, you know, but you have a bad day and you get frustrated at people and, you know, you don't react well to your wife or your kids. And and all of a sudden you find yourself in that place where you're like, yep, this is real me, right? It's like a crash back to reality of like, yeah, that's not really who I am. And I don't really have confidence in who I am in Christ. I have more confidence in who I am in my flesh. And today you might be here and you might be going, no, that's not really me. And if it's not you, good for you. I'm really happy for you. Uh, But let me say this. Don't be that guy then that helps people not have confidence, okay? I remember um, I was working at Living Word Church up in Dayton. This is a true story, okay? And this guy comes up to me and he goes, what's up, brother? And I'm like, why does why it always got to start with brother, okay? You know what I mean? Like, like I, I understand that we're like brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and I get that, and, and I'm for that, but, like, I, we're like, I've never met you. Like, I, you're not my brother, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, come on, can we just be real? You know, can we just be honest in here, you know? And so he goes, he goes, what's up, brother? And this is what he says. He goes, you got an accountability partner? He goes, you got some guys to be real with? He goes, you got somebody to dig deep into your life? He goes, bro, you can fall. You know this? He goes, if you fall, you're going to hurt a lot of people. He goes, look at this little man next to you. I'm like, my son, Ben, is like standing next to me. He's like, you're going to really hurt him. He's like, who do you got in your life as a, as a accountability partner, brother? And I was like, hi, my name is Jeff. Uh, I was like, didn't catch your name, you know? Like, like who are you, you know? And, and it's just like, you know, in church, we kind of have this like mentality of like, better be faithful, Better stay strong. Better hold on to Jesus because the reality in our minds is what? No, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're not going to make it. I mean, it's like we have this like, thought of like, don't even have confidence. What's the point of having confidence? We might as well just lower the bar, right? And just have low expectations of people. And so we really struggle in this idea of not having confidence. We actually have more confidence in a fear-based Christianity right? You know, 
growing up in church, it was all based around fear. Yeah, I think I've told this story before, but when I would grow up in church, we would have this uh, illustrated play every single year. It was called To Hell and Back. And, yeah, how many of you remember something like this, okay? Yeah. Okay. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I was in that play, okay? I was, <laughs> I was a part of this, and, and you're about to rip this to shreds, okay? And I remember we, I would walk into the sanctuary, and, I mean, it, it would be like, you know, like smoke-filled, and the whole entire sanctuary has, like, fake rocks and, like, fake fires burning and smoke everywhere. And the whole Sunday was, like, this journey through hell, and I promise you, as a kid, I would sit there and, like, sob. I mean, just sob. I'd be like, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell, you know what I mean? And just, like, sure terror over my life, you know? Well, how many of you know that that lasts, like, two hours, you know what I mean? You know, like, two hours later, you're like, eh, maybe, you know? It's just fear. Fear doesn't work. John chapter... First uh, John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. So God's perfect love expels fear from my heart. It says, if we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. It's the idea that I'm serving Jesus because I think he's a cruel God and he's out to get me and that he wants to punish me for the mistakes of my life. It's the, also, it's the other idea of that, you know, God loves me, but if I mess up today, I now have fear because I'm wondering if God's going to punish me for these bad days, right? Like, God's blessing's not going to flow because, you know, I'm just not really doing my best. And it says this, and it shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So the word's telling us when we have a lack of confidence it's because we haven't tasted the perfect love of Christ. And we haven't experienced his true grace deep in our soul where we have an understanding that his love and his grace doesn't change or shift or change ever. So how do we keep our confidence in Jesus? Go with your Bible. Go to Genesis, okay? We're going to camp out in Genesis. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. Oh, chapter 1, sorry. Chapter 1, verse 26. Through 27. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Who's God talking to? He's talking to God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity right there. And they will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and livestock and all the wild animals and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God is the one who gives identity. Can we just say that in 2018, it's God who gives identity. God makes male. God makes female. God decides if you're a male. God decides if you're a female, not man, okay? Man perverts what God designs, okay? Amen? Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, says this, then God, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed man he had made. The Lord made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why does God put a tree in the middle of the garden of knowledge of good and evil? Because with love brings choice. Okay, so if God really loves us, he has to give us choice. Otherwise, we're just robots. 
okay? So if Adam was just a robot, then he would just have to trust the Lord, okay? But if he gives him choice, it's a choice. Now I get to choose, do I want to serve God or do I want to serve myself and be selfish, okay? In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree, okay? Verse, chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of the tree in the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And what does it mean, like, die? Because I think a lot of times get, people get this confused. They're like, well, Adam didn't, like, die. No, he just died spiritually, okay? And I think spiritual death can be just like physical death. It's a separation from God, from his goodness, from experiencing his life. Verse 18, then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man was asleep, the Lord took one of the man's ribs and close up the opening. Why did he take a rib? Because God intended for woman to stand next to man and do life together. Okay? It's not my job to reign over my wife. It's not my wife's job to reign over me. This is why we get unhealthy, unbalanced marriages. We have a man who is overly dominant over his wife, or we get a wife that is overly dominant over the male. God created them to be together, to stand together, to walk together, to reign together. That's why he took it from the rib. He didn't take it from the head or the feet. He took it from the rib so they could stand together. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. The Lord, then the Lord God made woman from the rib, and he brought brought her to the man, and he said, at last, okay, it's probably because he saw her naked, to be honest, okay, you know what I mean, he's like, at last, why does he say at last, because in the DNA, in the wiring that God created human beings, he created us for relationship, so Adam is crying out, saying, at last, I have somebody to enjoy this beautiful garden with me. At last, I have somebody to have connection with. At last, I have somebody to do relationship with. That's why these dinner parties are so successful. Because people go and they're like, oh, I like relationship. Oh, I like nice people. Don't you like nice people? You know what I mean? Like somebody that smiles and like gives you a hug and then they feed you food. You know, and you're like, wow, this is really great, you know? Goes on and say this. Adam says this. This one is bone of my bone. And his flesh of my flesh. And she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. Verse 25, then the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Why did they feel no shame? Because they were in God's perfect will. You get outside of God's design, and here comes death, shame, guilt, right? But you stay inside of God's design. In the way he's designed for you to live out life, there's no shame. There's no guilt. Right? When I love my family correctly, do I feel guilt and shame? No, I'm just inside of God's perfect plan for my life, for my marriage. Chapter 3. I know this is a lot of verses. We're, we're getting there, okay? The serpent was the most Dwight shrewdest. I put Dwight shrewdest in my, in my notes because when I think of shrewd, I think of Dwight from The Office, okay? Uh, I, was, 
I was watching The Office yesterday, and it was an episode when Dwight tried to take Michael's position, and he went to Jan and, like, ratted him out and stuff. And so when I think about a shrewd snake, I think about Dwight from The Office, okay? And he was the most shrewdest animal that God had made. I know. You're like, what is wrong with you, okay? One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied, confident. Verse 3, it's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. This is not correct. She's not quoting God. She's quoting who? Probably Adam. This is not what God said. God didn't say, hey, don't look at it, don't touch it, or you'll die. What did God say? God said, don't eat it. So she says, God said, don't eat it and don't touch it. Well, where did the don't touch it come from? It probably came from Adam, where Adam was bringing fear, right? Because if, if I'm a father, okay, so this is, okay, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. As fathers and mothers, what do we do to our kids? We build fear in their life right? We, we, we look at the things in life that we associate and go, I don't like that. And because I don't like that, I'm going to set up a, a perimeter of fear so that you fear this, okay? Well, what does that do in kids? It makes them go, well, why should I fear that? Tell me, tell me what's wrong with that, right? And so we build this fear society in our kids that has nothing to do with the word of God. It has everything to do with what we personally like or dislike, okay? But really, what does it cause in our kids? Rebellion, right? So Adam says to Eve, listen, don't eat it, don't even touch it. This isn't what God said to Adam. God gave the command to Adam, and it was don't eat it, okay? But remember, fear never works. Never works in the kingdom of God, never works in the, in the earth. Okay? Verse 4. The serpent, the enemy, says, you won't die. The serpent replies to the woman, God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced, and she saw the tree was beautiful, and the, and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted its wisdom that it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Listen, I understand that we have temptation in this life, and I am tempted all the time, okay? Like, all the time. But it's still my choice to act on my temptation, right? It's still your choice to act on those feelings, correct? So I could be frustrated towards somebody, but it's still my choice to act out in frustration to them, right? So the enemy brings temptation, but a lot of times I think a lot of the trouble that we get into in this life isn't really because of him. It's really because of our own selfish desires. This was Eve's own selfishness that said, it looks beautiful. I want the wisdom. I'm going to take it, and I want it outside of what God wants for me. Right? It happens all the time in our lives. And then it says this. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Have you ever realized that? That, like, Adam was there the whole time? 
You know, we had this idea that, like, Adam was off, like, riding a tiger. That's what I thought, you know, like, growing up. I thought, like, Adam's just, like, on a tiger. Like, oh, you know, let's go, you know. And then he shows up, and he's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, you're my wife, and you're beautiful. Give me the apple, you know. This is my brain when I read the Bible, okay? He was with her the whole time. He doesn't say a thing. He doesn't do anything. And he ate it too, verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame uh, and that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Verse 8. When the cool evening breeze was blowing, man and his wife heard that the Lord was walking in the garden. So they hid from God, the Lord God, among the trees. Verse 9. The Lord God called out to him, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse 11. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you been eating from the tree? Uh, have you eaten from the tree? Uh, wait, wait. Have you eaten from the tree? What fruit I commanded you not to eat? Okay, sorry about that. All right, three things we got to get from this about helping us understand confidence. The first thing is this. Everything you need to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life will be given to you by God, okay? So God creates them, right? You are created. You weren't created on your own. God created you. He engineered you. He wired you. He gave you your personality, your likes, your dislikes. He gave you your hair color. You are created by God. God created them. So God creates them, and then God places them in the garden, and then God gives them responsibility, but then God says what? I'm the one who is responsible for sustaining your life. Everything that I have for you is because of me. Okay? So... We lose confidence when we think it's my responsibility to provide for me and my family, right? I remember when Jess was seven months pregnant. We were having Michael. We quit our job. God told us to quit our job. We had no job. We were living in Baba's house. Um, it was a tough time. Uh, Papa had just passed away. I mean, this was a rough time. I had no job. We had a baby on the way. Baba's like crying and sobbing every night. It was just, a, I mean, it was, a, it was a dark, dark time, okay? And I'm freaking out. Why? Because I have a kid on the way. And I'm thinking, how am I going to provide for this child? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, that is not your child. That is my child. That child is in your life to steward. You just steward him. But I will bring everything he needs to, for success in this life. It's my responsibility, okay? So God brought me my wife. God brought me my kids. God blessed me with the opportunity to lead this church. Everything I have is 100% based on who? God, not me. Because God loves me as a son, okay? He loves you as sons and daughters, okay? So the enemy is doing what, okay? He's getting her to question her identity, Getting her to question, okay, does God really love me? Does God really love you? This is a big question. Does God love you on days that you mess up? Right? On days that you screw up, is God pleased with you? 
Does he love you? Is he still for you? Does he want you to succeed? Does he still have blessing for you? That's a big question. Because growing up in church, it was God's grace is good, but my performance is better. Right? That's how we grew up in church. Like, God's grace is good. And, and I'm a big proponent on I love the grace of God, and I don't ever want to take advantage of the grace of God. Like, the grace of God isn't there for me to just sin more. The grace of God is there to give me strength to overcome. Okay? But in that statement still can have pride of my performance is what brings me grace. My performance is what, you know, helps me to succeed in this life. Is it my performance? Because is the question really, is Jeff Workmeister's performance better than Jesus' performance? Is the finished work that Jesus declared on the cross better than what I can do, or is what I can do better than the finished work of Jesus? Right? So when we have days when we are questioning, does God love me, we are ultimately saying, God, what you did on the cross, the finished work, what you declared when you said it was finished, really doesn't matter. Why? Because my performance is better than your performance. Right? And we really question this. Point number two, Adam and Eve were confident. God gave them identity. God gave them great jobs. God blessed them. Okay, right? So Eve is so confident that she is talking to the enemy. And she clearly knows that this is not the voice of God. Right? Like she knew God's voice. She knew God's nature. She knew God's character, correct? But she is so confident that she has chosen to talk to a talking snake. Okay, number one, can I just say, like, I hate snakes, okay? Just number one, all right? Listen, I mean, there's nothing in this world that would ever cause me to want to hold a snake, to touch a snake, to pet a snake, to be around a snake, okay? let alone a talking snake, okay? All right? Now, listen, if a snake came in your house, number one, you'd be like, no, I'm not even going back in there. I mean, like, I mean, literally, like, I will not go back into my house until this is taken care of. Okay? Number two, if there was a talking snake, okay, I'd be like, all right, God, I've lost my mind. You know what I mean? There's a talking snake. Eve is so confident she's talking to a confident snake. She's talking to a snake, okay? But she is so confident that God is her protector and that God is her source that she'll talk to him. Okay? And in this conversation, he starts questioning what? The identity that God had declared over Eve. It's the same thing that happened in John chapter 4, right? Jesus gets led, or uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus gets led into the wilderness, right? He's fasting. And what does the enemy do? The enemy comes and he starts questioning who Jesus is starts questioning the identity that God had given him. What had happened just a couple chapters before, the Holy Spirit had come down upon Jesus, spoken, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased with. So what is God the Father saying? I give identity and purpose to Jesus. 
What happens next? The enemy comes and questions the identity that God has given. This happens all the time. You'll have an incredible moment with Jesus. You'll get a prophetic word from God. You'll read something in the Bible. We'll have an amazing service. And then two days later, what does the enemy do? Hey, I don't think that's real. I, I know you got that word. But how's God going to perform that word? Right? Starts questioning who God declared who you are. God declared what's coming to you. This is the voice of the Lord. You know what I love about Abner? He doesn't know any of us. Literally, he knows none of us. And he comes, and he'll give you a detailed word. He will read your mail, and you will look at him and go, how do you know this? He doesn't know it. The Holy Spirit knows it. And the Holy Spirit is speaking from heaven, and he's speaking directly into your soul. And he's saying, this is what I declare over you, my son, my daughter. And then the enemy comes, and he goes, I don't think so. And we go, yeah, you're right. You're right. God couldn't be that good. My performance isn't good enough. I'm not worthy of that. So here's my confidence. This is what happens to Eve. She gives her confidence to the father of, of lies. He questions her authority. He questions her identity. He questions her purpose. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, then God blessed them. Blessed who? Adam and Eve. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, govern over it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry around the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant through the earth and all the fruit of the trees for your food. What is God saying? I give you identity, I give you purpose, and I give you authority. God gave this to Adam and Eve. He blessed them. Eve lost her confidence the moment that she didn't run to God. She had a choice. She's not a robot. The enemy's talking to her, but she could have chose to go, you know what, I'm sorry, I need to go talk to my father. And this happens with us. Listen, she should have said this. She should have said, you don't look, you don't sound, you don't talk, and you don't act like my father. You want to know when the enemy's talking to you? It's when it doesn't look, sound, talk, or act like God the Father. So when you have guilt, you have shame, you have condemnation, you have confusion, you have doubt, you have fear, where do you think this is coming from? Do you think God the Father is going, I want to confuse my kids. I want to bring a bunch of fear into their life. I want them to question if they're really saved today. I want them to wonder and wander the earth with no purpose and no identity and filled with fear. No. God the Father is going, you are a son, you're a daughter. I want to give you identity. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you direction. I want to make it clear. I want you to eat the good of the land. This is my heart as a father. But we go, I don't know if it's God or if, or if it's the enemy. 
We do this all the time. We need to go, man, that doesn't look like God. I mean, we're all smart people, right? You can pretty clearly understand when somebody comes up to you and they say something negative to you. You can go, that doesn't look like God. I mean, can we just be honest? Like, the enemy will use anybody, anybody. I've had Holy Spirit-filled people say terrible things to me, terrible things. And I go, that's not my father. He doesn't talk like that. He doesn't act like that. Ooh, I can see that jealousy. I can see that anger. Ooh, I can see that pride in that person. Mm-mm. That's not my father, right? My father, I know what my father sounds like. I know his voice. I know how he talks to me. He talks to me lovingly. He talks to me with grace. He talks to me with kindness. You, I don't know if you ever grew up in church and you had this happen where somebody had a condemning word from the Lord. It's not God. It's not God. It's not God. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. That's what the word of God says. So I can judge the word based upon what? The word of God. Okay? God goes, my goodness will lead you to my heart. See, when the word, the goodness of God comes to you, it causes you to go, oh, my gosh. Man, I see the, I see the error of my life. It's not guilt and shame and criticism and condemnation. It's the goodness of God that leads us to know who God is. So the reality is she should have said, you don't look, sound, act like my father. Now go. Now go. And what would, have, what would the snake have done? He would have left. Why? Because God gave her authority. Right? God had declared, you reign over all of this. The whole earth is yours. So she should have said, you need to go. And he would have left. This is why the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this earth. Why do we have famine and sickness and disease and hardship in this earth? Because Adam and Eve were given authority and they took their authority and they said, here's my authority and my confidence, here you go. They handed it over to the enemy. The enemy reigns over this earth. We were created to reign over this earth. This is why Jesus said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to kick the enemy in the teeth, and I'm going to put my people back on the earth. I'm going to regain authority over this earth. This earth was for me and my people, and they will have dominion and authority over it once again in Jesus' name. This is what Jesus is going to do. This is why he says, I'm going to come back to earth. I'm going to reign over Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mine. It is not an international city. It is God the Father's city. He's declared it. President Trump did the right thing by putting the embassy in, the, uh, in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's God's. It's God's, according to the word of God. And God is coming back to reestablish what he created at the very beginning of time. Amen? Point number three is this. They hid. They hid. Genesis 3, chapter 8, verse 8 said, When the cool evening breeze blew and the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around the garden. This was a nightly thing. 
God the Father came to spend time with his kids. This shows that God wants to spend time with us. He enjoys relationship. He enjoys connection. He enjoys when you talk to him. He wants to talk back to you. He loves relationship. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. When the Lord God called out to him, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse 11, who told you you were naked? The Lord God said, have you been eating from the tree of the fruit that I commanded you not to eat? Why did they run? Why do we run from the Spirit of God? It's because this. Because who told you you were naked? What is God really saying to Adam and Eve? He's saying, who told you that you were unworthy? Who told you that? Who told you that you have shame on your life now? Who told you that you were guilty? This is what God is really saying when he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were unworthy to be with me? I created you. You are mine. Who told you this? See, when guilt and shame and unworthy comes, what do we do? We hide. Why? Because we go, God's good. He's faithful. He's kind. He's merciful. He's full of justice. He's full of grace. He's full of love. And what do you do? You go, I just can't be close to that right now. I just can't. So we run. We run from the presence of God. We hide from God. We hide from him. But see, Jesus came. And he corrected everything. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says this. For we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our understandings, our weaknesses, or our temptations. One who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. Isn't that great that Jesus knows exactly how you feel as a human being? He knows what temptation feels like. But it goes on to say this, in every respect as we are, yet without any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. With privilege. Privilege, sons and daughters. You get to approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of grace, God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear confidence and without fear. I took my mom to see the Wizard of Oz. Went home, my mom, you know, sick, and, I, and she wanted, I, I thought, you know, this would be really cool. I'm going to take my mom to see the Wizard of Oz in Chicago. And we've all watched the movie The Wizard of Oz or seen plays, and there's that moment where they're walking into the palace and they are fearful, and they're trembling, and there's lightning, and there's smoke, and, you know, there's this big, loud voice. And I think that that's what we think about God. When we come to worship him, when we come to be with him, when we come to read the word of God, when we come to pray, I feel like we are like so timid. And we're like, oh, God, please accept me today. I know that I'm a worm, and I know that I'm a failure, and I know that I'm not worthy, and I know that I'm so jacked up. Please, God, if there's any way that you wouldn't strike me down today. And what is Jesus declaring? He's going, come. 
boldly, with confidence, knowing you are a son, you are a daughter of the Most High, that I paid it for it all on the cross. I declared that sin's power is dead and that you have life now and that you are the righteousness of Christ. So come to me boldly in confidence and find the grace that your life is looking for. This is what Jesus is saying to us, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in this time of need. He's pleased with me. He's pleased with you. I think you have a hard time believing that, though. He's pleased with you. Why is he pleased with you? Because he's pleased with Jesus. And when he looks at you, he looks through Jesus. And he's pleased with Jesus, so he's pleased with you. Amen? Isn't that good? Worship team, come on up. We should walk in this life with our heads so high. We should walk in like this every day. Hey. How you guys doing? I am doing just fine. I am doing great. I am blessed. I am highly favored. God is with me. He is for me. He is not against me. So we are going to have a great day in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's how you should walk into each day. You should walk into each day full of confidence. You should go, you know what? God is for me today, so I'm looking for God's blessings on my life today. God loves me. I'm a child of the Most High. He wants to bless me today. He's not looking to destroy my life. He's looking to bless my life in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) We should have confidence when we see somebody else healed in their body that we go, man, God's a healer. He healed them. He sure will heal me because I'm a son and a daughter. We should have confidence that when somebody else receives a blessing that we go, you know what? I know that God is a God who blesses. uh, And I don't know why he blesses, but he just pours it out. And because he did it for her, he'll do it for me too. And I'm so excited to see my blessing. I can't wait to have my blessing. And in the meantime, I have perfect peace. I have perfect joy. I am totally confident because I know that my God is for me today. The Bible says there is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. In heaven or in earth. He loves me. He loves me. But the problem is, The enemy has gotten you to question your identity, question who you are. And there are so many days you look in the mirror and you go, I just don't like myself. I just don't like myself. I don't like what I see. I don't like who I am. I don't like what I sound like. I just don't like myself. If you don't like yourself, how could you ever expect God to like you? Right? right? But God really likes you. He likes who he created. He likes what you look like. He likes how you sound. He likes how quirky you are. Listen, I know I'm like super quirky, but I think God goes, yeah, I made him that way. That's my man. He hates ketchup, but that's my man. 
you know? Listen, any confidence I have in this life, it's not because of me. It's because of the goodness of God. Listen, I'm a kid that grew up with no father. I'm a kid that grew up with parents that died. I'm a kid that grew up poor. I'm a kid that is uneducated. I'm a kid that had dyslexia. I'm a kid that is not a college grad. I have everything in this world that says that I was to become a failure. But God said, no, that's my son and I am for him. And the great news is this, the same thing he did for me is the same thing he'll do for you. Amen? Would you stand up this morning?